is going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations the pastors have not figured it out. We're back. We missed the a week. week. We missed a week. Tell, t- hey, hey, t- tell everyone why we missed a week. Um... <laughs> Because I feel like it's a good it's a good reason to miss a week, but I feel like you need to fess up a little bit, bro. I was just tired. I was <laughs> I was so tired. Like, okay, here's full transparency. We recorded an episode. It's it exists. It exists. Um, I don't remember what it was on because I'm like it was like ten o'clock at night, and I go to bed at seven o'clock, and so my mind is just washed. And the biggest problem with our episode is if, uh, with our podcast is that Victor's a night person and I'm a morning person. Yeah, and so you're getting him at like his peak, and you're getting me at all of my unfilteredness, which is yep, can dangerous, be really, really dangerous, dangerous, it's dangerous, <laughs> very very dangerous. Um, but the we got, uh, the we episode, was episode was on weariness. It was on weariness. <laughs> So I feel like it, 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 if we ever release this episode, we can use it as more of a case study. Oh, I was, <laughs> I, I stopped halfway through the episode so many times. I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I can't do this. And like, hey, just cut that, cut that, cut that. And it would have been a lot of cut, editing. Yeah. It, <laughs> we recorded for like 30 minutes and it probably would have been an eight minute podcast. Easily. Um, but hey, it easily. exists. It's there. If, you know, we may release it one day yeah, as a bonus episode. It's in the vault. It could be a short, but hey, tonight I'm rejuvenated. I'm excited. I'm here. Um, hopefully, there's no there's no cuts tonight, but we'll see. Well, and and this is I think we can even kick this off with talking about something I think both of you find relatively engaging, and that's the Grammys just happened. Now, award ceremonies. Do you watch the award ceremonies? Are you no. do you like do you First sit all, down in your in your studio apartment, turn the lights down? Cook yourself some chicken in the crock pot and enjoy yourself an award ceremony. Is that is that how your night goes? I don't think I've watched an award ceremony since I was in like middle school. And like you know what, like you're in middle school and you watch cable television, you watch yep. what your parents watched. And I think that's the last time I watched like it's when I watched American Idol when I was a kid. <laughs> it's like I didn't choose to watch American Idol. My parents watched American Idol and I sat there in the living room. That was probably the last time I watched the Grammys. Okay. Um, but I, I do care. I'm like, oh, I want to see who who got the Grammys. I care about the aftermath more than anything else. The, um, the Grammys were kind of a mess this year. Some of the awards, like, I don't know what, what it was, Song of the Year. Had you ever yeah. heard of that song? It was just like some random song. Didn't? I thought Harry Styles won that. Or was that Album of the Year? That was Album. Yeah. It was, it was by a person I didn't even know. She got booed as she walked onto the stage because, because people just didn't know who she was. I would have rather the ABC person (laughs) get the Grammy. (laughs) ABC. Yeah, that one. (laughs) It was just a nobody. That song has been remixed into so many different like EDM. I don't even know what the real one is. (laughs) 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 Um, That's weird. Yeah, it was kind of wild. I haven't watched an award ceremony ever. I think the only award show or award ceremony that I've watched was the oh man it was probably like the dove awards when lecrae like in 2010 won album christian hip-hop album of the year that was probably the last award show i watched is that because of your 116 calf tattoo it's what inspired the tattoo (laughs) it's what inspired the tattoo um that's my second favorite thing about you is like one did you know victor has a peloton i knew it did you know did you know that he has a 116 calf tattoo unashamed unashamed (laughs) <laughs> well, um, here's about the Grammys. This is a perfect segue here. Yeah, yeah. 
Mav City was at the Grammys. Yeah. And there has been a little a little bit of uh what what's the word controversy surrounding there's, Mav City. There's been some tea. There's been some tea. Uh, one cuz one cuz they performed with Quavo who was doing like a send off for for takeoff which is like super sad, super tragic what yep, happened. Yep. Um and so they were like, "Hey, shouldn't be performing with Quavo." And then there were just people that were like upset that they were at the Grammys. Um and then there were Christians that were upset at the whole Sam Smith stuff. Like I think Sam Smith like literally just came out dressed as the devil and Christian TikTok, Christian Twitter blew just up. like went blew up, dude. Yeah. Um that were shocked that somebody that doesn't love Jesus would come out dressed <laughs> as the devil. It's it's shocking. I know. <laughs> um but yeah, like it's it's really fascinating to me because like when you look at the people, like no Non-believers don't criticize Harry Styles the way the believers criticize Mav City. It's yep. like no no unbeliever was looking at Mav City and just being like, man, they spoke Jesus from the stage. How dare they? The yep. people that were actually criticizing Mav City were Christians. Yeah. And the people that were coming after Sam Smith were Christians. And I'm just like, speaking for Mav City, I'm like, those are our own. Those are our people. And if that's how we treat our people, man, how do we treat people who were not in the house of God? How do we not treat Christian artists? And I'm like, I just think it really goes, it shows the, disp- the, the discrepancy between, I think, the, the teachings of Jesus and what we're called to be and yeah. how we act and how the world views us. I think, I think there's a, how the world views Christians, I think, is a, is a tough topic right now. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting, especially with, like, the Sam Smith stuff. And I think this just points to a larger issue in the church. But it's like the church seems to be much more concerned about dealing with particular sins of non-believers rather than giving them Jesus. And so, like, we want to fix someone's homosexuality yeah. before we want to give them Jesus. Or we want to fix good. someone's addiction before we want to give them Jesus. And it's like, man, we are we are attacking the symptoms rather than getting to the root of the issue. And it's like, man, if we give people Jesus, man, like his grace, his mercy, his holiness, his sanctification yeah. is the thing that draws people out of uh, out of the bondage of sin. But it's like yeah. we almost try to play the role of God in breaking people's sin and we miss the gospel. And it's like, people will come after Sam Smith and be like, how like, yeah, sure. Sin exists. Like we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But yeah. it's like the biggest yeah, yeah. issue isn't that he wore like a bandana with some horns on it. Like that's not the problem. Like the, the problem is that, is that he, he needs doesn't Jesus. Know Jesus. Yep. He doesn't know Jesus. And this is one of my favorite illustrations, but I think it illustrates this perfectly. Like, do you remember PEMDAS and math and math class? Like, do you remember that whole like I do. System I of- thought of the sweet life of Zach and Cody really quick when she when when Mosby was teaching London Timpton how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> and the, they were the, learning the prim the Prindle. The Prindle. <laughs> how did you Sorry. How hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Weird sight. How bad of a math student were you to mix up PEMDAS and Prindle? <laughs> they're close. How, I I went to not, seminary. I took math one. Okay. <laughs> But yes, I Math do know, I Bible. do know what, that's the order okay. of operations, right? Yeah. So basically the whole framework for PEMDAS is that the, the, the framework is that, okay, the math can be correct, but if the order is wrong, the problem is wrong. So like you have to go through like parentheses, I don't know what the E stands for, but like multiplication, division, addiction, subtraction, like exponents. that's how you exponents. Sure. Math one. Um, 
But like you, you go through it and like the order in which you solve the problem matters, even if the math is correct, the order matters. And I think what you're saying here can relate to that. It's like, it's yeah. not that sin isn't an issue. It is. And it's yeah. like, we should call out sin, but order matters here. The most important thing is not that that person is sinning. The most important thing is that person doesn't know Jesus. And like you said, when you correct that and when you show them Jesus, behavior stuff follows. And I think like Jesus shows us in the gospels, like Jesus corrects sin. Yeah. Like he does a good job of that and he's not shy about it. But like, I think of like the woman caught in adultery, all the religious folk have stones. And Jesus comes up to her and she's like, and he's like, has anyone condemned you? She's like, no one. And he's like, great. I don't condemn you. I forgive you. And like, we miss this. But when Jesus says that, like the, the ability to forgive sins, the ability to not condemn was done by God alone. Yep. And so what he's saying, he's like, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God. This is what matters. I'm God, I'm God. Now, therefore go and sin no more. Yeah. Like the behavior change came after an experience with Jesus. Yep. And I think a lot of the times, like, I think one of the reasons that the world hates Christians right now, like, yes, we're living in an increasingly unchristian society in an unchristian world. That sucks. Boo-hoo. Um, yep. Like the world has been unchristian long before it was unchristian in America. Um, like one of the reasons I think the world hates Christians right now is because we attack behavior before we show them our savior. And yeah, like, okay, so here's, here's how I want to frame this whole episode. John 15, verse 18. Jesus says this. It says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it ever hated you. Okay. Two, a couple things we know that are true in there. One, the world hated Jesus. Two, the world is going to hate us if we follow Jesus. And then the third question I want to present to us, is it like, does the world hate Christians for the same reason that the world hated Jesus? That's good. Like, are those two things the same or is the hatred that we're experiencing today a result of something else? Christians, we, we seem like we, it's almost like a game, right? This is what, this is what I've noticed. It's almost like a game. How, how can we get people to hate us? And it's like, if we can just get like the hatred meter to go up, any way, any means necessary, then like we're winning because the Bible says that the world's going to hate us. And what happens is, is it causes us to act in ways that are actually contrary to what like the Lord has called us in scripture. It talks about how, like the Bible talks about how people will know us because of the love that we have for one another. Like that is an apologetic it's also found here in John 15. It's like one yeah. of the greatest defenses for our faith is the way in which Christians are to love one another. And going back to this Mav City thing, it's like what we have demonstrated is not love for one another. What we have demonstrated is actually hate towards one another so that when a non-believer looks into the, the Christian culture, the sphere that we're in, what would make someone say, I want to be a part of that? Yeah. That's not that's not groundbreaking. It doesn't look different than the world. It doesn't look different from cancel culture, which you should go check out that episode. It's a good episode. But it's like it's not different. Yeah. We, we look the same. And if we yeah. look the same, there's nothing compelling for people to, to desire to want to be and to know the God that we serve. 
And no, that's, that's where Christians have just gone so incredibly wrong. And I think, and, and I'd love your thoughts here on this. I think this is particularly a Western church problem. Oh, I don't think I've seen this similar thing in, in the non-Western church context. I, I would agree, but that's because I think the West is becoming predominantly non-Christian. Um, and that hasn't always been the case in places like China and Afghanistan and different places that have just never really been predominantly Christian. Um, so there's not, there's not ever, they've never been the predominant yeah. cultural standard. And in America, we have, at least quote unquote, we have been for the last probably hundred years or so. And that's changed. Um, and so now, like, I love that you even said like, it seems like sometimes Christians are pursuing hatred out of a sort of martyrdom um, that is yeah. like, hey, like if the world hates me, that means I'm standing for Jesus. And like, I want to be careful, like, yes and no, um, because like our call is not to pursue hatred of the world. Our call is to pursue Jesus and to follow him and pursue after him. And here's the thing, like one of the fruits of following Jesus, what he says in John 15, is that you will be hated by the world. Yeah but not because we poke our finger in everybody's business. Like saying sin is sin is important. It is. But like one of the core doctrines of the gospel and following Jesus is that you are not your own God. <laughs> yeah. Like it is to take up your cross daily, die to yourself and follow him. That right there is an already offensive statement to the core of who people are that they do not own themselves. They do not control their destiny. They don't control their future. There's a God who created them, made them, and he is Lord over them. That right there will make the world hate you. Yep. And so the, the, the hate that Jesus, the hate that Jesus got, like, th this is so fascinating to me. Jesus didn't get killed because he pointed out sin in other people. Jesus got killed because he claimed to be God. Yeah. And like the fact that there is a one and only God and it was this guy named Jesus. The word became flesh. That is why the Pharisees crucified him and killed him. And that what Jesus is saying is like, if you follow me and claim to people that there is one way, this man named Jesus, he is the only way to salvation. That is going to cause the world to hate you. And that's a fruit of following me. The flip side is I think what you notice it is I think we actually have a generation, and I say we, like including us here, yeah. we have pursued hatred of the world out of some self-martyrdom rather than following Jesus, taking up our cross and dying to him and having the hatred of the world be the fruit of that. And I've, I see this across, like when I paint the spectrum of like Christianity, when I say liberal and conservative, not politically, but more so theologically, I think this issue exists across that spectrum. It's almost like Christians wear hatred as a badge of honor. And while, hold yes. Hold up, hold up. I think this is a really important thing to distinguish. Like, you say wear hatred as a badge of honor. I think we confuse hatred and persecution. Oh, I think yeah. those are two very different things. And I think that's what you alluded to. Can you talk about the difference between hatred and persecution for a second? Yeah, it, it, persecution often stems out of hatred, right? Like like they're 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 connected, but I don't think they're the same thing. Because in especially in the western church, like we can experience hatred. Uh we don't necessarily experience the weight of persecution. 
Now we look at places outside of the Western church and man, there are places that are experiencing hatred and yeah. intense persecution. Hatred is like, yeah. or persecution is really like the ability for someone who hates Christians to act on it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, that's we good. don't, that's we good. don't necessarily experience that at least at a systemic level, the way that, that other countries may. But here's yeah. the thing. It's like, man, the Bible says, like, we are going to be hated. It doesn't say that that's where our glory comes from. It doesn't mean that that's a patch that we mm. can stitch onto our shoulder and wear as, like, this man, like, I am this hated Christian. And it's like, man, we even see all throughout church history, like, martyrs dying for the sake of being martyrs rather than dying for what, like, God has called them to. And it's like people just wanted to go down in history because they wanted to they wanted to wear that badge instead of like standing up for what they believe in. And we see yeah. that in our culture a lot today, especially if I'm if I'm going to talk specifically about a group, I'm going to talk about my own group That's the super reformed people. And it's like you look at this group of people and it's like you almost can't engage in conversation because the the cop out response here is uh well I should expect this I should expect people to not agree with me because I'm standing up for truth. And what happens is is we don't allow iron to sharpen iron because we just we we use this default stance of well the Bible says not everyone's going to agree with me and since I'm standing up for truth I just have to accept that. And it's like this uber yeah. cop out that, that yeah. does not allow us to engage in any level of conversation at all. Yeah. We, we have a lot of truth warriors and not a lot of followers of Jesus. And also truth is subjective. So like yeah. it may, you may be a truth warrior, but it's also your perception of truth. And to say, you know, 100% of truth is a pretty naive thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Like every, every, everybody's truth outside of God's revealed truth is subjective. Yeah. Um, but I, I think one of the fascinating things with this is like, man, honestly, like I actually not fascinating. The heartbreaking part of this is that our behaviors in these areas keeps people from knowing Jesus. Yeah. So like that's, that's why this is an issue. Um, like, do they hate you because you're following Jesus or do they hate you because you're a jerk? Like there's, yeah. those are two two different camps, two different types of hate. And like, I, I know that like I've even experienced like one of my best friends in high school, um, she didn't know Jesus. And we used to sit at the table every single day and we would just argue about whatever like political God thing is going on, my view versus your view. And we would sit down at this table every single day and bro, we would just argue and talk and like it's not that like standing up for what is true is wrong it's not that standing up for scripture is wrong but i'm like that didn't show that didn't lead her to jesus yeah that that just showed her that like i can raise my voice to a level that is louder than hers yeah and i think for a lot of us like we have lost the pursuit and the heart of jesus for other people on the the hill of i'm right and this is my position and this is my truth, and I'm going to stand on that. And I think Paul actually balances this really, really well, like more than anybody else, because Paul did not deny scripture. Paul did not back down from truth. Like Jesus is the only way, praise God. Yeah. But Paul also says like, I'm going to relinquish all of my rights, like all the things, the freedoms that, that 
the, the Christianity has given me, I'm going to relinquish that for the sake of you knowing Jesus. Yeah. And I think like, like our church has this phrase that I think, I think is really helpful for this. And it's like the gospel is offensive and nothing else should be. And so like the message that we carry is so offensive to who a person is as a human being that you are not your own God, that whatever pleasantries I can put around that, whatever things that I can take off the plate so that you can hear the gospel, man, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And the, the, the heartbreaking part is that people never get to see our savior. Yep. They never get to see that beauty because our behavior in pursuit of the hatred of the world honestly keeps them from seeing the beauty of the gospel. I like that you shifted to heartbreaking because man, like I look back at my time in high school and I was blessed in a lot of ways. One of which was that I had a mentor that still like to this day really cares about me and, and, and helps me grow in my, my spiritual walk. And from a really young age in ninth grade, he started walking me through like really intense study about the Bible, about theology. And I loved it. But what happened was, very quickly I began to weaponize that knowledge for the sake of argument rather than the sake of Jesus. And so like, I remember this one time very specifically, I was a senior in high school. My brother was a freshman. My brother was having a conversation at his table with a group of guys about evolution. Okay. And he called me, he was like, Vic, I'm getting, I'm getting crushed over here. Can you come and like, help me out? So I'm like, I'm like, Oh, like tag me in coach. Like, let's go. And I remember I walked yeah. over to this lunch table with the biggest ego. I mean, it's like, it's so convicting even to think back to. And I remember sitting down at this table and for 20 minutes reaming these freshman kids about evolution and what the Bible says and that God exists and all this stuff. And I raised my voice louder. I was, I was a better speaker. And so I could, you know, weaponize my rhetoric. And there were, there were things that I was able to do to make them turn off, to shut down. And for me to walk away with a, with a sense of superiority. Mm -hmm. The one thing I didn't do in that conversation was share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when I look back at that, the most heartbreaking thing is having the knowledge, ha- experiencing the gospel, experiencing the grace, and then failing to share that mm. with other people. Because, man, you're right. The gospel is offensive. It attacks the very nature of who people are. Yeah. And if I am a bigger jerk... <laughs> than what the gospel calls out in people's hearts, then man, like I am failing to communicate the gospel effectively. And it's heartbreaking. Like I will live the rest of my life walking in the freedom and grace that God has given me and redemption through that, man, praise God. But it's like Peter, when that rooster crowed, man, I'm going to think back to that moment when I denied Jesus, when I didn't share the gospel. And it serves as a reminder. It's tough. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I think it's it's good to mention, like, it's easy to point fingers and say, like, they, the big C church, the Christians out there are the ones doing it. Like, no, it's you and me. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of us, like, we've all fallen prey to this at some point or another. Um, we all have it loved as Christ has loved us. And I think that the the fascinating and the heartbreaking part of this is, like, yeah, you, you talk about the redemption and you talk about, like, hey... Um, like the Lord has worked and gone through that. 
Um, but man, like what I want more than anything else is I want to love people the way that Jesus loved people. And regardless of whether or not you disagree with like what Sam Smith wore, Jesus loves him just as much as you do. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not you think Mav City should have performed with Quavo, Jesus loves them just as much as you do. And like that love for people, the way that God loves us is I think what's missing in my own heart. And I think what's missing in the heart of a church. Yeah. Is it like, I, I maybe it was a professor that said this, but like God's love doesn't mean he doesn't call out sin. Like that's part of God's love. But like the overarching umbrella of God's love is that he will be truthful about your sin and he will love you enough to die for it. And like that heart for people, that's how Jesus loved us. Yeah. And that's how we are to love one another. And I think the world hates us because we only love halfway. Mm. We only tell them the truth. We don't show them the God that was willing to die for them. And honestly, man, I think like real talk, I think we're at a, a tipping point in American Christianity where I don't yeah. think the way we've done church the last 30 or 40 years is going to fly. Yep. Nor, nor, nor do I think it should. Like, I think the world, and I think, honestly, I do think most Christians are fed up with the generalized American Christianity that has happened the last 40 or 50 years. Yep. And that's a very broad sweeping statement, but I think there's going to be a return to like, what does it look like to follow Jesus, to pursue him, to love him, and yes, to stand on truth, but like to have our lives and our love shaped by sanctification towards Jesus Christ. Yeah, man, there's, I just had like a million thoughts that I don't think we have time to go into on this episode rush through my mind, but I think give me, give are, me, give me one of them. Give oh man, this them. is controversial. You ready? You ready for the controversy? I'm, I, I want to hear your Always. thoughts with this too. Think of COVID. Okay. 2019, 2020 hits, churches shut down. Shut down the physical buildings, okay? You have a large group of churches that complies with the government orders to remain for, or to abstain from gathering together in large groups of people, and churches transition to a period of time where they were heavily focused on online ministry. Then you have a, a section of churches, and I'm just going to use the one that I'm familiar with, John MacArthur's church in California, where they were they were told they could not meet. If they if they would meet, they would be fined and charged and, and all the stuff. They went ahead and met. Yeah. Okay. When you look at the climate of where Christianity is going, you can argue either way. But what happened is, is that John MacArthur's church, regardless of if you agree with their decision or not, wore the fact that the that they were hated as a ban, as as like a badge of honor. They it was like a, it was something that people boasted in. Again, regardless of if you agree or disagree with the decision, yeah, it was something that that people were able to take pride in. And so the shift, the the focus shifted from, hey, let's gather together to worship Jesus and let's gather together in spite of the government. So I think it's actually fascinating that you just mentioned that because you're not talking about like necessarily the COVID decision. You're talking about the attitude and yes. the almost glorification of being hated. I think you even go back to this text, John 15. Like you said this earlier in the podcast, 
hatred in the world is not where we find our glory. Yeah. Like Jesus's glorification didn't come in being hated by the world. Jesus's glorification came on the cross where he said, I love you. Like that was the glorification of Jesus. And I think that right there, glorification and hatred should never be the goal. It may be a reality, like you said, but like it it should never be the goal. It's never the crown that we wear. Um, Jesus just says, hey, if you follow me, if you pursue me, if if you come after me, this will happen because it happened to me. Yeah. And like, I think, I think what you're saying is it's a perspective shift from like, we're very like fruit focused. What's the fruit of following Jesus? Let me pursue this when we need to be focused on Jesus and following him and pursuing after him. Because also a fruit of following Jesus, yes, is hatred by the world, but it's also a love of others. Yeah. Like following Jesus means everything about us becomes transformed into his ministry. And his ministry was a lot more than just being hated by the world. And that's what I think even kind of where you're going back to there, I think that's where we kind of long to get to as a church. Yeah, and I mean, bringing up just like the future of the church, especially in America, I think that is a fascinating conversation that would make for an excellent podcast. And I even want to, I want to toss this out. If you're listening to this episode and you have thoughts, email us, let us know, where do you think the church in America, Big C Church in America is going to be in the next five, 10 years? I would love to compile a handful of emails and just, think through together as a group what we're processing because I think you're right I think in the next five to ten years we're going to see a shift what that shift looks like where we go from there I don't know but I think COVID may have been somewhat of a catalyst for the church to begin to shift and looking at where like places like New York are beginning to to not allow churches to gather in public schools. There are going yeah. to be a lot of places that begin to follow suit. And as we begin to see governments pushing churches out of public buildings, I'm really curious to see how the church responds. And so if you guys have thoughts about that in particular, email us sanctifiedish at gmail.com. We should read through them and then do a whole episode just chatting through what yeah. you guys say. Cause I think that's interesting. I I love that you even mentioned like as a group here because like Victor and I are not the leaders of the church in the future. Like, yeah, it's like, it's us. It's us as a group. There's like this collective generation. It's like, all right, like the baton is going to be passed here in a little bit when we have it. What, what, what legacy are we going to leave? What, what, what are people, unbelievers going to notice about us that may have been different than the generations beforehand? Um, I think that'd be a fascinating conversation. Yeah, well, y'all, hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, and we hope you did, let us know. Leave us a a like, or I'm thinking of YouTube videos, not a like. You can leave us a five-star review on (laughs) on the podcast website. I'm like doing my YouTube outro. (laughs) Make sure to turn the bell on for notifications. Subscribe, and we'll see you guys in the next one. If you guys liked this episode, let us know. You can send us an email, comments, concerns, critiques. We'd love to hear them all. Sanctifiedish at gmail.com. You can leave us a review. You can check us out on social media at ReaganJones97 and at Rotsiv157. We are so incredibly thankful for all of you who continue to come back week after week to join in on our conversations. And we hope to see you in the next one. Until next time, take care and God. 
weird question, but do you remember the time when Mav City put out like six albums in three years? Literally three years. It's It's been like a year and a half without a Mav City album, and it feels like it's been 20 years. I'm sad. <laughs>